0: subject to eligibility requirements rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park
1: when you buy Kroger brand products you feel like you're winning that's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices in fact We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
2: Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content... You have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com/governance. IBM. Let's
0: create. This podcast is part of the How We Are network. For information on this episode and many other like-minded shows, visit howweare.org. That's H-O-W-W-E-A-R-E dot O-R-G.
1: What's up everybody welcome to another episode of 100 words or less the podcast i'm your host ray harkins and thanks for joining us there are i have a feeling that i know more and more people are downloading the show but just it's like over the past like 10 or so episodes just more and more people kind of join up and start a dialogue on twitter and start emailing and i don't know it's just great and if if it's maybe you've been a long time listener and maybe you're just all of a sudden now like yo i want to talk which is fine But, uh, I don't know, it's a a good feeling, and I appreciate the download and the time spent. Because let's be honest, there's so much other stuff you could be doing right now, but you're not, you're hanging out, and that's awesome. Anyways, my guest today is Mr. Tommy Green. He is a vocalist for a metal hardcore band called Sleeping Giant who is a very, I wouldn't even call them a band. They're a ministry, straight up. And if you are at all interested in religion, and not even so much like Christianity, but just religion in general, spirituality, all that sort of stuff, this episode is made specifically for you. Because, oh man, we, we go deep. It's really interesting. Not to mention, and even if you don't care about religion at all, the conversation in and of itself is awesome because Tommy has a very, very intriguing story. So let's get some let's get some business out of the way because there there's something very important that you as a consumer of podcasts need to know about. So there there's something that's happening right now. For any of you that pay attention to the technology industry as a whole, uh, has maybe heard about this, but. Basically, what's happening? So, some of the largest podcasts in the game, from Adam Carolla's network to Mark Marin's podcast, and a bunch of other people, even This American Life, they have been, uh, you know, sent some cease and desist letters in the past. But now, Adam Carolla in particular is getting sued by this company named Personal Audio, which basically saying they have the claim for podcasting in general, and they need to pay, when I say they, Adam Carolla has to pay this company called Personal Audio, either a licensing fee or basically they are what is called a patent troll. So these are people that get patents and then go out there and sue people, knowing that it's really, really expensive to take this to court, put this in litigation. And so this is now affecting the podcasting world because basically if adam carolla isn't successful in taking these people to court and having the support of the podcast community it's going to be a trickle down effect all they're going to do is just start targeting number two on the list number three on the list and obviously this podcast is nowhere near as big as those but we have a sizable audience and if all of a sudden i have to start paying out like they're asking for one point I don't know, or no, $3 million. That's what they're asking for from Adam Carolla. It's predatory, it's awful, It shouldn't happen. Because these are people, podcasts, even if you're an la- extremely large podcast, you are making a living off of it, but it's not like you are some multimedia conglomerate. These are people that have stepped away from all of the traditional mediums of broadcasting and are doing it on their own because that's what they want to do. So anyways, what I want you to do is go to fundanything.com backslash patent troll or you can just google adam carolla patent troll what he's trying to do is he needs to raise 1.5 million dollars which sounds insane that he needs to raise that much money but that is how much money it takes in order to take this to court while obviously you could look at it and be like oh adam's a millionaire already he clearly has done well for himself but to all of a sudden pony up 1.5 million dollars just to get this in court that's rough So needless to say, I am a huge supporter of this. I'm just doing this because I love the medium and I think that this should be untouched by this patent troll. So it just gets my blood boiling. So go there. You'll find a little informational video that will explain this a little more in depth. But it's something that I'm very passionate about and I want you to be aware of as well. So anyways, enough of that. Propertyofzack.com. Visit them. Review the show. Go to iTunes. Type some sentences or drop some stars for the show. It makes us look good and I appreciate that. And email the show. 100 words podcast at gmail.com and you can hit us on twitter at 100 words podcast I, I forget the i forget the handle anyways you can find us on twitter pretty easily visit the website 100 words podcast.com. and uh i, I i'm going to start to integrate a little more music recommendations here in the future because i've gotten a lot of response from Many people who have listened to the show pretty regularly, and they want that. They want that as a regular part. So I'm reaching out to a few people, past guests of the show, and other people who I trust their musical opinion. And so we're going to start getting some of that stuff. And I've also noticed people emailing me links of their own band to check out, which is cool. And I appreciate that. I think in the future, I may start trying to integrate that as far as like a spotlight where it's like, yo, this was actually pretty good. But don't have your feelings hurt. If you send me something and I don't talk about it, please don't be like, dude, Ray, you're the worst person ever. I sent you this and you didn't listen to it. Clearly, this is this is a transactional relationship. I can't promise you you will get some coverage. But that is just something I'm, I'm, I'm toying around with as well. So anyways, Tommy Green, the vocalist for Sleeping Giant. I met him uh, a few years ago, and it was just one of those things where he's such a positive person and he has such conviction about him. Uh, Not only his religion, but just in the way that he lives his life. I don't know. He's a very inspiring person. Regardless if you think religion is crap or what you live by, you will find knowledge in Tommy's experience. And so he was out here finishing up vocals for his band's record that's coming out sometime in the near future. And I met him at our mutual friend's house and where he is recording. And uh, we we chopped it up. We spoke for uh, just over an hour, and this is what transpired. So I will talk to you afterwards. Okay, bye. Uh, I
3: just start the things off it's just like my own personal like
1: entry point or introduction to, you know, you, your music, that sort of stuff. We I think we met each other for the very first time. I think it was a New England Metal and Hardcore Festival. I mean, I have no idea what year, but I just, you guys were playing. So, I mean, it was probably like maybe... I was still at Century Media, so I think it was like maybe 2000. I don't know, seven ish, six ish. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly. I was already aware of the band prior to that. I, I wasn't familiar with the music beyond just like being aware that, like, oh yeah, you're a band, you There's exist. There's a band, yeah, right, yeah, because we we met and it was like we had an opportunity to actually converse for a minute because I think I, I want to say we were trying to like talk to you guys about doing something from a professional perspective. I can't remember who was like managing the side, whatever, but I, there was an interest there to be like. Oh, that'd be cool to like work with them. But I just remember talking to you and being like, you're on level, like Im- just immediately being like, cause like, <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't so... <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know about you. Like when you first, I mean, I know it sounds so basic because no, you,
3: but I know what you're saying.
1: Like, cause you, you meet some people and you're instantaneously either you're and this doesn't happen for everybody, but, like, you know, you meet a person, and you're instantaneously either drawn to them, or, like, oh, okay, that's where they are, like, that's fine, like, oh, and oh, there we are. Right, and then that, that's all you need to have that interaction, but it was, for you, it was definitely like, oh, no, like, you are and not like I, ha- I really had no preconceived notions as far as, like, oh, dude, are we immediately going to be witness to here, are we going to be because <laughs> there going be to be any gonna of be this thing? <laughs>
3: yes, <laughs> right, absolutely.
1: but there wasn't any of that, and I was like, oh, that, like, that was cool, and so, like, it set me off in the right perspective to you know dive into your music at a more regular level and like understand you more just on having that obvious like simple interaction the the conception for i mean you and obviously the band in general is the fact that there's a lot of weight into getting to know you. i mean not only you as a person but then obviously you as a you know minister you as a frontman for a band that sort of stuff and yeah. it's like people will carry a lot of stuff into meeting you and do do you find yourself having to battle a lot of those like oh, here's all these preconceived notions that I gotta kind of tear down with certain people if you meet them in certain contexts?
3: Yeah. I think in general <clears throat> I think I've based more of like
1: <laughs> I know it's a hard yeah. thing' it's no, a hard no, no,
3: thing because no. to... I'm trying to think of what goes on um, yeah I think what's been interesting is is that I feel like the real legacy the real legacy of what we've been doing mm. will be if band dudes if people that are in bands, yep. if our peers think we're okay. Yeah. And I feel like if our peers think we're okay, then that's that's basically it. A lot of the other kids are going to, they'll basically use, the audience will use you for what they need. Right. And so people that, and sometimes it's really amazing. I mean, I get, I I know for a fact that there's people that have attributed our band, just like any band, you know? Like there's, like I was saying, we're talking about Steve. Steve yeah, yeah. From Cave yeah. In, and right. I'm like, that record literally, I was in the midst of like this crazy, horrible, part of my life i was like living i was living in an affair Uh i was living in an affair and i bought until your heart stops right because i it had been a while since i really felt like i'd connected with some I'm trying to think of the last record that it before that yeah it might have been like an Isis record or something uh-huh. you know what it dude there was a Hydrahead comp that I got Anyway, it had been a while since I really right. heard a band that I was like oh and I was walking out and at that point in Salt Lake City there was a dude that lives out here named named Alvaz but he was singing for a band called the, the Lazarus project yeah <laughs> and that had just kind of started popping off sure that summer and I remember I met with the guitarist I think his name was Jason, uh-huh. and he used to be the guitarist for Clear years, oh, yeah, and, years and years ago. yeah,
1: of Next Clear X, right? <laughs> Yeah, the sickness must end, <laughs> I
3: know, that please. whole deal. So I ran into him, and he was like, yeah, I'm playing for this band. Like, and I remember just talking to him, and, and in the conversation, for some reason, Kevin came up. And uh-huh. then I went in and got the CD, Sure. and I got home, and I remember I kind of hid in that record Yeah. for a while. And so I, I think in general, I would say that there's seat Seek One, like that, there's this little con song right now. Right, 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 right. I put yeah. my wife as a yoga instructor and I wow. put it on her playlist. I get to be her DJ. Oh, nice, nice. And so I put that on one of her like slower deals. Right. So there's little songs like that that actually help give life, I think, to, to me. And so people have literally said like, I was literally going to commit suicide. Right. I was, I was really going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. I listened to your record. Some crazy thing happened. Right. And so I know there's been real... There's really good things that have happened. But then there's also people that will show up and and they use my band to hate people or right. hate the world or be religious like we would call them like religiotards. Like right. they're so goofy that you're like yeah, yeah, yeah. you need the spiritual gift of being a normal human being right. for a minute. <laughs> like that's like what we yeah. say. you know? yeah. So I, I know that people will use people use your band for whatever they need at the time but
1: I, I like the way you put that cuz essentially you're just, you view <clears throat> what you're creating From a musical perspective And a lyrical perspective Like you said Like it's Because once you put Something out in the world Like you can't You don't control You can't control yet. What people do with it And so I like the way That you're just like If if our peers think That we're like Doing something as and Like if there's validation From that perspective Like yeah. then we Yeah we've done our Because I feel like
3: You know we don't live We won't live We won't live for weeks on end With every kid That comes to a show But right. we will live for weeks on end With some of the bands We go out with And I, I know that there's been There's a lot of stigma around christian hardcore kids there's a lot of stigma around straight edge kids i mean whatever it
4: is there's there's whatever label yeah whatever it is
3: that people ascribe to you and so i think we've gone out on tour and i know that dudes have showed up and i think in general they've they were wondering what they were going to get as well and i think we've i think even if we didn't do a very good job of of representing christ the way that i'd like to even myself like I swear I say cuss words way too much right. I, I know I don't do a perfect job of representing him in my my behavior sure but I really hope that our character on some level is still there that it, it says something that's about acceptance and it breaks some stuff down but I I know for a fact we get asked by like Christian people all the time we'll be like do these Christian festivals they're like what are your favorite tours? And like our favorite tours are with like all of these like yeah, yeah, satanic yeah. bands. Right, right, like right. favorite people. Right, right, the right. On tour. So I, and that's what I, so I feel like if it's the people that you live with day in, if they think you're all right yeah. when they meet you or you walk away and most people are like, oh, they were cool. Like, right. Then that's that's probably what's going to matter most because the other people are just going to see you for 28 minutes on stage. You know, when I pray for a lot of kids at the end of our show, so I, I'll stay as long as I need to pray for people. And so I know, I, I know I'm know i there personally to minister to people. But right, right, right. For the most part, they're only getting like a small window. Well, it's,
1: it's yeah, it's a very – it's a transactional relationship. Like kids are purchasing a ticket to a show and they are, ha- they are being entertained. And in some – there's so many different levels of expectations of entertainment. Like sometimes people are going there to have that sort of like that moment that you're saying mm-hmm. that sort of epiphany moment. And then there's other times where it's just like, oh dude, I just want to watch. Awesome
3: the and there's cool. There's some <laughs> breakdown, bro.
1: Right, right, right. It's it, so. it, you, you hit on you hit on something that I was going to bring up later, but it's a perfect time where the pressure that I'm sure you feel like in obviously being self aware of. The you know the example that you lead out there versus the the way that people perceive you know a quote unquote typical Christian like is it a typical Christian to be because there's obviously where it's like you know if you if you swear in front of a person who's like look can't wait to poke holes in what you are oh, and what absolutely you do. man like so sure. is it one of those things where it's like you feel that sort of um, and not even pressure from like anybody else but just that sort of internal in self, pressure yeah absolutely yeah.
3: well because I, I realized it because I I was sharing like. I I talked to this dude, actually, this old dude from New Jersey, Uh who's like a a Christian dude and he's an old Syracuse guy. Okay. I believe he was in Abnegation. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I I can't... Anyways. Sure. But we talked about it and I remember that he saw me in the midst of last summer. And last summer, the band was going through all sorts of upheaval. Right. Not even in a band way, necessarily. It was hard to manage, but like relationships were kind of all over the place and sure me and rookie were basically flying to festivals and meeting up with dudes to fill in and it was like the, dude, yeah. just to complete the things we said we were going to do right and so i remember just being so frustrated feeling really like almost like a caged animal like i couldn't tell who my friends were of and course yeah. weird and so i remember just being frustrated and being normal and kind of talking to this dude and swearing his daughter's there i so blew it Right. he hit me out later because I was on my YouTube little Devo thing. And right. Like, you guys, I got to let you know. like, But I, I remember telling people in the video, I was like, you know, just to be honest with you guys, like, I really, I know that my ability to communicate is what I think is my gift is. Right, right. And so when I really met, when I met God, I was like, you know, I've used my voice for everything else. You know, mm-hmm. whether it was like yeah. in high school, I was in, the, I, I started a group. I started a group with a friend of mine called the Satanic Youth Organization Uh because we were too young to join the Church of Satan. Can you believe it? So I just, so it's like the thing of like veganism, like being for animal rights and being straight edge. And, and I mean, just in a lot of ways in Salt Lake City, when I, when I first became part of the scene, dude, that was a, that was a high time in that place. It was real rebellion. Like there were trucks exploding. Like we were, we were on, it was terrorist watch list. Like. My friends had their phones tapped. Like we were getting pulled over by unmarked cars. Like right. it, it was a it was a crazy time. And right. I remember feeling really a part of something. Yeah. And so I remember feeling like, oh, this is it. It's me against everyone else. And uh-huh. I really felt that. Right. And so it's interesting because then when I when I when life just went totally fell apart, and I really felt the like this divine thing happen, and I felt I felt almost like I I finally got invaded by something outside of me. I was like. What the heck? Yeah. So when I was like in this journey, I remember feeling like I read this story about the way that like Jesus is teaching, he's like, Hey, these dudes are given, this, this investment or talent mm-hmm. or money and, and they turn around and make a, they make a good deposit on it or okay. they, they, they multiply it and he sure. comes back and he's like, good job. I gave you three. You came back with six. That's awesome. Right. Other dudes like I gave you six. You came back with 12. That's amazing. And the third guy's like, I knew you were hard and I was afraid of you. So I took it and I hit it.
4: Yeah. I didn't do anything with it.
3: And he's like, you
4: are, point you okay. missed
3: it. And yeah. that's the part where I was, I was reading, I was like, well, I know my voice, man. Like I've given it to everything else. So I'll just give it to you. Right. You can have it. Yeah. So that's the part where I was telling people in the video, I'm like, I know that my ability to communicate is what I think is the gift. And it's my love language. Like I really want to encourage people. So when I use like, profanity and i get like all angry i'm really right. abusing the gift and i'm like so right told right i right. like i say pray words and i say cuss words i'm sorry like right. i will work on it like i'm just yeah. trying to like be honest yeah, it. yeah yeah, so, yeah. yeah you're, you're i sure. feel that in myself like and when i talk to christian people that literally it's been it's something that they appreciate and in the in the bible even it's like don't let a bunch of profanity come out of your mouth like yeah. the reason christians don't do it is because they're trying to obey the bible right and so I'm not trying to be that guy that's like forget the Bible, bro. Just Do what you feel. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So I feel that for sure. But then I also have a responsibility in love to other people yeah. to honor them. So it's why I don't. I traditionally, I mean, it, it'll be a really weird day if I ever just blow it and say like cuss words from stage or something. Like that. Right. I really yeah, do yeah. Try yeah. to do the best I can to manage within the context of what. Yeah. What yeah, yeah. No, I totally. But, so that's where I feel pressure mostly. I don't feel like most. If, non, if kids that aren't Christians that we're on the road with, like, hate us and talk crap behind us, like, I don't think they ever really say much to our
1: face. Right, right.
3: And I don't know if they necessarily try to be that critical of us unless mm-hmm. we piss them off for some right, reason. Right,
1: right, right. So I don't hear a lot. Yeah, so they, right. yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of off in the corner, and that's fine. Or they're something. like, they've, they've but judged. But Christ,
3: Christians are more like, hey, you are a Christian, and so I will tell you exactly what I think. And I'm like, oh, I know, you're right. Yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So that's that's where I feel bad. right. So were you uh, were you born and raised in Salt Lake City? No, I um, I was born in San Francisco. Oh, okay. I, I moved with um, I moved my family quite a bit. They went through a divorce. My mom and dad went through a divorce when I was like, I think maybe, but I'm going to say between f- three and five. I sure. Can't remember? I well, just, yeah, yeah. So sure, we really. we moved from San Francisco to. St. Louis. Okay. And that's when my parents split up. My dad stayed in St. Louis and my mom and me moved back to Northern California. Okay. Moved around Northern California in the, and was in the Bay Area. Did, you,
1: which, did you have uh, brothers and sisters at the time too or was it just no, you and No, mom? I,
3: literally, when I was six, yeah. my dad and my stepmom um, had my little brother. Sure. And so I have two little brothers with my dad and my, my stepmom and they're like some of my best friends and then I moved to Washington State with my mom and my stepdad. And so okay. i visit my dad and in my family with my dad in the summers. And so okay. that was like my whole life. It was like like a double kid. I was like with my mom and sure. my stepdad and they were like these devout like Baptist people. Okay. And then I go stay with my dad, who's like a traditional like Irish Catholic family, which was uh-huh. – we don't go to church. Right. don't do it. But there's plenty right. of drinking. There's lots of drinking. <laughs> right, right, right. So it was just this different culture each summer. So he grew up, My brothers grew up in St. Louis, and I moved around a bunch with my mom and my stepdad. So I lived in Washington State and California and then mm-hmm. St. Louis, and then I moved. We moved to salt lake city from washington but my dad had moved to salt lake city from st louis with the railroad because he drives trains he drove trains for union pacific oh god he was a train guy and up was in st louis and then he got a job as an engineer and moved to salt lake so i I went and visited him a summer in salt lake Uh and then went back to washington and at the end of that year for some reason my stepdad's job
1: transferred him to salt lake city that's so So weird
3: living in salt lake city with my mom and my dad for the (laughs) in the same town for the first time since i was like Four. Right. And how, so, how,
1: how old were you when both of those were to Sophomore. I was That's a sophomore okay. in high school.
3: So I moved out as a sophomore from Washington, super depressed. And I, I, because I'd only been, I didn't live in places for very long. Like for, My right. stepdad was in school or we, was in ministry. And so we would just move. Uh-huh. And um, I'm realizing that we, we just moved a lot. It was about once a year. We were just somewhere else. Yeah, you are transplanted.
4: So, <clears throat> so you you had no
1: opportunity to actually, like, cultivate any relationships. Long, like,
3: like long-term. It right. was, like,
1: always a do-over.
3: I'd go to visit my dad. I'd come back, and we were in some new spot. And that was
1: just how it felt a lot. Yeah.
3: But that was real. That was actually what it was. But that's how it felt. And I was cool. I was pretty social, so I could Yeah, you could, in, you could kind of jump that into whatever. Cool. Oh, yeah, a new place. But we lived in Washington for, like, four Four years, and okay. that was the longest in that city that we had been. Uh-huh. And I really like loved it up there. Sure, um, I missed the scene. I didn't know about any of that. I moved right. to Salt Lake City as a sophomore, and was just so messed up that I was drinking. I would drink by myself, and I would just, I was just, I hated it. I didn't want to be there. It was
1: was that a, a direct reaction to you moving there? Yeah, is, is I really just
3: you, the people okay. were awesome, but I was just like I. This sucks. Like, yeah. I didn't want to be there. I, my dream was to live in Seattle and be a bike messenger. And, like, <laughs> that was my goal. Like, like, that was my goal. Because I lived in Puyallup, which is a little town, like, in okay. south of Seattle, like, okay. outside of Tacoma. Oh, okay. And so I I lived there. And uh-huh. we would go into the city. And that was during the height of, like, the alternative movement. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That was what turned me on to music. So it was
1: like mid-90s mid, mid 90s is when you were there. So you were seeing a lot of that hit. 92, 93, oh, 94.
3: Okay. Like right in the middle of it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. And so there was just great things happening. And it was so much fun to be up there. Uh-huh. And so my dream was to get into the city. We would only make it into the city like every so often. You know? Sure, sure. But I just remember like just loving it. So that was my goal is to get to Seattle and so when we moved in, in high school, I was just like, where the heck are we? Like, I liked the city. It was fine. I liked to snowboard at right. that point. So I was like, well, that's cool. But I just started getting really sad. Well, that was the first time I ever heard about straight edge kids because there was like a super violent culture. Totally. It was way militant. And there was a lot of, my friends were all stoner kids. And so they would like openly talk about, you know, like, eh, straight edge kids and we'll fucking fight them. And like, right. and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, Had you even, at that point, I I had no idea. Dude, so you're, yeah, you're dropped
5: into this powder keg. I read a hit parader. (laughs) This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're sitting here. It's like June and you're like, where has the time gone? And everybody's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I got to like accomplish all these other things. Take a moment, focus on the things that obviously for one matter to you, but for two, look back, be like, what have I done well? What have I done not so well? And maybe I can, you know, ask some friends and family for some help. But where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better, therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool at your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally. And I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life and be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and entirely suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with licensed therapist, and then boom, you're done. It's great. And then if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch it at no additional cost. So take a moment, reflect on the things you've done, reflect on the things you want to do, and visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L slash Ray.
3: In Washington that um, showcased shelter and that was the only thing I had read that was like they're Krishna core what the <laughs> what heck is this? yeah it sounds cool whatever but right. I was more into like helmet and the Deftones tones and like that and I and dude I, I just really and I was it was like that weird time I was in sixth grade I think I heard crass and the dead Kennedys uh-huh. and Nirvana all in the same year. And I was mostly into hip-hop up until that point. Uh-huh. I would had to steal it because my parents didn't want me to listen to music.
4: Okay, yeah. I was about, I, that's a, really that was my like, next it was question. Really rigid. Right, right?
3: They wouldn't let me go there. So I would steal tapes or tape like Slick Rick on like a different tape and like hide in. Like, yeah. Kind of thing. yeah right. So what I heard, I really, I can't remember. I was at my friend Ryan Cromer's house and I, I heard a Nirvana song on the radio. It was like cheesy as that is. Yep. But I was blown away that they wrote all their own music. And yeah. it was like powerful. And I was totally. like, this is so awesome. And right. I wanted to play. And so I started playing drums when I was in sixth grade. Okay. But they wouldn't let me. I couldn't I had to sneak out to go to like listen to music and stuff. It was just wow. bad. Wow. Yeah, dude, you, were, so,
1: you were on lockdown. I really was.
3: Like right. and because of their value system and 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 because Christian music sucks, dude. It it's, sucks. It's, it's awful. always like 15 years behind anything. It's always copying. So there was a couple grunge rock bands mm-hmm. that were actually now. There was two. that I'll, One was called Soul Food. And they were almost like a, a groovy, like 70s, like grunge distortion band. Okay. Not even that heavy or anything. But right. like they would play a show and it was like a Christian show. But you could stage that. I mean kids would just go off. Okay. And there was a dude named Aaron Sprinkle and he's a producer. With yeah, two. he no, is. Yeah. He was in a band called Poor Old Lou. And they were in Seattle. Oh, wow. My first show I was allowed to go to in uh-huh. like seventh grade was Soul Food and Portal doo at the King Theater in Seattle. And okay. I remember the minute it started, everyone started stage diving, and I was like, "Yes, You're like, I'm like, here!" I just, oh, I just went the whole time, and I was like, "Yes, <laughs> yeah. finally!" Yeah. Um, so anyways, but that was my introduction. Was like punk rock. It was really. It was um, Give Me Convenience, So Give Me Death, uh-huh. and it was God. There was. I'm trying to think, but it was. It was just that was when music, music came alive where I was like,
1: people were like, this, yeah, you found, you found dude. something, right? Yeah. There right. was
3: dudes. What was it? Pill. There was a bunch of friends I had that were just all these alternative kids and they were like yeah. stone and depressed and messed up. And I just loved them. I was like, yeah, these, these right. are right people. And like, this right? and that, that,
1: was in, that was in Seattle still. Okay. So the, yeah.
3: here's, so, um, Patty bone yep. is in, um, undertow. Yep. I didn't know about it. There was one straight edge kid in my in my junior high, and he was uh-huh. a year older than me, uh-huh. and I I barely remember him, but I kn- I knew there was something different about him, but I yeah. didn't know what he was connected to. Sure, sure. And so then when I get to Salt Lake, people start talking about like the scene, and I was like, or they start talking about Straight Edge kids and just how violent they are, and like kids challenging each other. And I remember a friend of mine like. Tried to fight some dudes and just got the shit kicked out of me right really right bad and I was like what is going on totally Well, I ended up my my family was just really into substances and that kind of thing and sure. there was a party and I There was a party at my dad's house and he had a bunch of his friends over Okay, and he had a friend over that was there and it was basically like I I lived in it was a two-day drunk for me I was probably a sophomore a sophomore and I, I just used the opportunity to get drunk as, as I could. Right. And, and he had a friend there that had snuff. The snuff had black tar heroin in it. Okay. Or something. I snorted heroin on accident. Right. Because I thought it was something else. And I ended up just sick and like way messed up. And I was like, I will never, I would never have done that if I didn't think it was cool. I wouldn't think it was cool if it wasn't modeled as cool for me. Right. I have got to like get out of this. Because in seventh grade in Washington, because of some of the music and some of that stuff. Right. I ended up running away. And moved out with some friends. Like I, I left and stayed with my friend's family. We uh-huh. like robbed convenience stores for cigarettes to sell for like lunch money. I mean, it was like the worst thing ever. My daughter's right. like thirteen, and we had this conversation like a week ago, and she's like, "I feel like you think I'm someone that I'm not, or something." And I'm looking at her, and I'm like, "Bear, let me tell you about what I was doing when I was your age." Right, because right. You're in eighth grade right now. When I was in eighth grade, I was like living. Away from my family. Right. Doing illegal drugs. Stealing stuff from people. Okay. Selling. I'm like, let me tell you how awesome you are compared
1: to me. Right, how, right. And I have
3: to like keep going. Yeah, like, yeah. So, yeah.
1: anyways. So, was, did you, I mean, did you find, was the reason that you, you, you know, you ran away, was that all tied up in the fact that you faith, just felt, Music. You just were, you everything. were
3: oppressed. I couldn't, I felt yeah. so like. There was no choice. Up, there was okay. no, There was nothing. And I kept telling them. I was like, listen, you guys, like, I know you guys want me to like your God and everything, but like. I, got I it. hate it. Right, and, right, right, right. This doesn't work. Like, right, Just right. couldn't hear. It. And my mom, my poor mom. Like since then, we've talked about a bunch, and she's just apologized. She's like. It's crazy because the minute they like slacked off, I stopped doing drugs.
1: They're like, just give us a little them, rope.
3: You're gonna do? And I was like, okay, I need to get straight right now. So I had two or three friends that were actually straight edge kids that I knew were part of the scene. Yeah, and they were veg- they were vegan and they were just straight edge kids, but they they really weren't violent. They right. And I I just needed to get clear. Of course. And so I started hanging out with them because I was just like. I was I was genuinely intrigued by the fact that these dudes were like really proud of the fact that they didn't do drugs. Right. they were really into like good music, and I was like, the first record that I heard from like Straight Edge Kids, my friend yeah. Nate, let me borrow a record by a band from Germany called Acme, of course, to reduce the choir to one soul. And I was like, that was the most brutal thing I'd ever heard <laughs> oh, in my life. Dude, and I was dude. like, yeah, oh no, right? right? That's what you listen to? Yeah. That was unreal. So right. a year later, I end up getting kind of cleaned up. I just. I just stopped. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Uh-huh. And so I started hanging out with my friend Nate and I shut up at his doorstep. And I was like, listen, man, I don't have any friends that aren't kind of into this. And if I say I'm like drug free, I'm just going to hang out. I will totally go back to doing stuff. Can I just like hang out with you? Like, yeah. Can I please hang out? With sure. You? And so he took me, he, we just hung out and we, he would listen to like, God, what did we listen to? We just to everything. We listened to a lot of 108. and yeah. We listen to any another And, and, um, he took me to my first show like a couple weeks later. Uh-huh. And I remember it was Catharsis and Clear and um, and this band Trip Hammer. Oh, yeah. And I remember being so intrigued because I really felt afraid. Like, sure. You walk into the show and it was like... Yeah. Everyone... But it, I also realized that it was in the midst of the first show I was supposed to go to, Hatebreed and Despair. Oh, yeah, yeah. I Re- Do you remember that tour? I remember that tour, Okay, yeah. That was the first show I was supposed to go to. And there was such crazy beef because these dudes that were roped up in these animal rights things had right. ratted on a couple other kids uh. and, and then bailed. And so there was huge division. So at that show, three kids got stabbed. Uh. That was the first show I was supposed to go to. And wow. I remember I was supposed to meet up some kids that I met through like the victory message board Oh yeah, that was just like... They were like, yeah, what, what's your name? And I was like, yeah, I'm just living in Salt Lake. I've yeah. never really been to a show, but you guys are, like, drug-free. It'd be fun to hang out kids I like music that won't get me in trouble. Right? Said, yeah, come, man. So I was like, sure. So I was supposed to go. I ended up going, like, wakeboarding, and I missed my ride. Okay. And so the next day, I'm in, like, a, a Grey Whale CD oh, store. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jared, I think the singer from Trip Hammer, walked in, and they're like, how was that show last night? And he was like, bad, dude. Like, three kids got stabbed. Yeah. And I was like...
1: <laughs> yeah you're like well it's a good thing, okay. good thing i didn't go
3: okay so anyway so that was my deal so that the first show i ended up going to was catharsis and clear but that was in the wake of some of that stuff so i remember two specific times we were hanging out and like the whole show emptied out because there was these something fights. happening yeah, yeah, yeah some dude you know just trying to square stuff up and it was it was such a violent it was really a different time oh totally I, I think is. about it a
1: lot yeah Well, it's it's, it's really tough to put in context because it's like, you know, everybody everybody waxes nostalgic about, you know, like the, the, you know, whatever, late 70s, early 80s, like, you know, Black Flag and, you know, LA Punk and like everybody is going to think whatever time that they grew up in like was, you know, extremely violent or whatever. But like, so it's hard to paint the whole context, but it's like. I distinctly remember it's like, you know, being – like living in Southern California when all that stuff was happening in Salt Lake City. You know, it – I mean it bled over to here to where it's like I distinctly remember like playing certain shows, you, you know, playing a show in Vegas and then going out there and saying, oh, the Salt Lake C- City kids are coming. They're and just coming. being like
3: – Everyone is on – and you can read them, you know, exactly totally, when they walk in the room. Totally. It's still the energy way. changes. Yeah. All of, all of my friends will show up to a show and it's like, oh
1: – and it's so yeah, and it, it's so difficult to explain that to someone that's like you're just dropping, you know, it's a whatever, like a you know, 15, 16, 17 year old kid is gonna have no context where it's just they're like, oh, maybe it's like oh Salt Lake was violent, but it's just like no, like it changed energy in rooms, like it, it was crazy. It's,
3: it's a crazy thing. It's my, I mean, it's one of those things where I try to think back on it, and I, I watched the documentary that was filmed because you know Mick from Eighteen Visions, you know, he just passed away. He did, yeah. And and I. I I really liked him. Like yeah. I really, and I was a young kid, and he was nice to me. Totally. I, I was used to thinking dudes in bands were different.
1: Of course.
4: And so when yeah. I
3: first got in the Hawker scene, I remember running into Jason and Mick and some dudes at this dollar movie, mm-hmm. Sean McClarity and the dudes from Clear. And I remember looking at him, going like, "Hey, my name's Tommy," and I'd introduced myself to them before, and I was like, "My name's Tom." And they were like, "Yeah, I remember." And I was like, "Oh," and they were just normal. And I was like, oh, "Thanks <laughs> yeah. for being nice, man." So I just remember thinking, "I really like these guys." Right. Right. Thanks right. for being kind to me. But like. There was just such, it's such a different deal. And I think about it and go like, I watched the documentary that they filmed, they mm-hmm. put together in 1997. Okay. And it was, it's that season. And I, I have to be honest, like I yeah. watched it and I, I cried because I was like, honestly, yeah, what the fuck was I so attracted to? Sure. It was so depressed and like. Broken, and That's, I was like, "Yeah, why did I go all in for that?"
1: Right. Well, it's a I weird think, thing. I, I, I think. I mean, for just from as an outsider looking in, obviously not living there, I think it was one of those things where it's like, once, once people, because it, it, whatever social oh. movement people are a part of, because it mm. has, to, it has to escalate. It has to keep mm. getting higher, and then once you get to a point where things get real, as in people appear on America's Most Wanted, like the FBI, everything you were mentioning. Once it hits that level, that's when it's going to f- fracture, splinter across, and you're going to have these people who are trying – like, you know, I mean like uh, – I mean not comparing them to gangs, but it's like people are going to be trying to grab for power. Like there's such a weird dynamic in a scene. It's insane. That was really never meant to house that sort of atmosphere. Dude, it was insane. Right. I just
3: remember – I literally just remember thinking I'm so glad that I'm from there. I'm glad that that's like where I came from. Most, right. of, my, most of my close friends – that I've had for years are still very much like a part of that culture, even though we're all like grown up now (laughs) and it's a different deal. And I'm so glad it's a different deal. I'm so glad it's not what that was. I don't look look back and go like, man, I wish you guys, it was like this. I don't dude. Dudes died. Kids went to prison. Like it was not a good, it was not a good time.
1: Right. Right. It
3: wasn't good. it, It was just pissed off
1: right and hatred Infor- oh. yeah, It for it, yeah it informs who you are today obviously but that's, like you said that's what you... i'm
3: gonna do i look at it and think of my son and i was at I, we played a show in salt lake a while ago as she did on a, a benefit and i think i just looked at my friends all my friends are in this room and i'm like you guys like i love you and i love this scene but i don't want my son to be a part of this mm-hmm. like when i think of rada i'm like i'd like for him to just be more normal than me a little bit i want him to like go to school and have friends and like become successful and go way further than I did and I, I needed family right? I needed like I needed gang I needed a gang with a soundtrack right and that's what it was like yeah. I was like I I needed a I needed people that were as pissed off as I was sure that would show me something and then when I saw it I was like you know what there's a part of this that that's not even me right and I, I respect and I fear some of them in the best way possible like you guys are real people I'm glad to be a part of your life but There's a part of me that's like, dang, if I was, if I was Rada, I would fight to keep him away from some of that stuff. Cause it really, it's like that thing, the quote at the beginning of the town, I'm like, I'm glad to be from Charleston. It ruined my life, but I love it. Like, there's a part of it where I feel like, I wonder what, I wonder what it taught me that I was never supposed to learn. Right. Right. And I say that just to go, I'm still there. Like I'm, I will be there. Right. You know, whatever it is, that's you. And it's still a part of who I am, but like. I just think about it and go, man, I don't – I'm not nostalgic about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I that's... look back with fondness. I, I look forward and I'm like I'm really glad that like young kids think whatever they think. Right. Because it's
1: like you they...
3: have no idea.
1: Right, right. And not like an old old guy get off my lawn sort of thing but like you no. know, I'm excited that you can experience this from a with, more pure level. P-
3: without right. without the fear. Yeah,
1: because yeah. Because yeah, yeah. when,
3: when fear hits a scene, either because of like – Crew drama, or because yeah. of like real stuff, where dudes start messing with drug money and like bad stuff starts happening. It's yeah. like, I'm glad you get to just go to a show. And the biggest problem is that, that maybe some dudes are pissed, and you're gonna have a fist fight. Right, 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 right. Like,
1: yeah, this this huge this huge cloud of darkness that descends, and it's like, yeah, it, it permeates into every aspect of that yeah. of everyone's life that comes to a show. Sorry, uh, that makes sense. No, that it's, okay? I no. Just, Dude, it's perfect. I
3: was just thinking about that. That's, yeah, yeah, no, no. That's I, where I, I heard of Salt Lake, and that's my introduction was hanging out with people that I felt like were safe, and I, I was really attracted to right the violent part of it because I I am I know I'm like a violent person. I know I'm like a fighter, and <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, and I I'm. I'm honored to have like shared life with some of those dudes, but my introduction was like I just needed safety.
1: Yeah, I needed yeah, some yeah. people
3: that were going to help me stay off drugs.
1: Right, and that was the environment in which you. I mean, because that, yeah, that was it. Who knows? Of, I mean, as like you said, as 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 bad as that, as quote unquote bad as that experience was, as far as you looking back on it, who knows where you could have ended up if you I, went a different I'm, direction.
3: I'm I'm grateful yeah. to have been touched by the culture because I think. There's something so unique and special about it yeah. that everybody else, no one will get it. No one gets it. The yeah. hardcore scene is so interesting, and I love, like, I love it. Totally. And I think about it. And go, God, I would just, I think I would just be a big nerd. Yeah,
1: yeah, oh yeah, and who be knows? Like A
3: big nerd loser. That totally. would be like,
1: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. oh. So wait, when did the when did the idea of of wanting to play in band? Because did you, did you play? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. I always wanted
3: to play music. I played in a punk band and. Salt Lake called the Thought Police, and they were really good. Thought Police, the Thought Police. Oh, the like, Thought Police. Yeah, from 1984. sure. So, yeah. and they were really—it was pissed. And my friend Josh and my friend Sean. Would you?
1: And you played drums? I played today? drums. Yeah. Okay. And
3: I, I just loved punk rock. Like I just really thought it was awesome. Sure. When I was like a drunk, and then, <laughs> then when I got like, I think when I got sober, I was like. I was really intrigued by the the sound of some of the hardcore bands that I was hearing. Yeah. My first like the first record that I bought. I bought the Acme record. Sure. And then I bought Bloodlets. Oh yeah. And then I bought Dead Guys, Fixation Fixation on a Coworker. Yeah. And I remember just thinking like and I bought a bunch of old integrity stuff. I bought like and I bought one of Refused's old records Sure, super fast and I remember just trying to think and Warzone and Cause for Alarm and I remember thinking I like the punk rock stuff like a lot but there was something about the tone and like the the slowness of it and the metalness of it that I was like I think I'm gonna I think I like that so I played punk rock and then um, was actually in a vegan like punk rock band it's something called the Teen Tragedies Okay And Kelly Green Who was the lead singer Actually ended up playing In I think um, The Funny One
1: Good Clean Fun Good Clean Fun
3: She oh, ended okay. up playing Good Clean Fun later Oh okay It was like She was just in this Punk rock band And I just wanted to play music Sure And it was really easy And I was like Yeah sure whatever right, didn't, right right it, You know I, We played Put to, like a demo Or something Then I left yeah. But um, I ended up helping I was one of the first I was one of the Founding members of Cherim Which was like A vegan straight edge band yep. That we started with My friend Bill French And my friend Jesse Linmar mm-hmm. And um Originally, my friend Harold, who's like a f- radical, like animal rights activist dude, okay. and um, just an awesome—he was awesome. He he wasn't straight edge, and I was so like militant at that point that I was no. like, I don't want to be in a band with him because I, I just yeah. I didn't have friends that weren't vegan,
1: More vegan straight, weren't straight, straight, edge. straight. Yeah, so yeah, they needed to have both the quantifiers.
3: Yeah. Or, or either, or when I, I was just, oh, I, I just didn't want people around me that did drugs and smoked and stuff. I Got just it. didn't okay. want to do it. And sure. I, I was such a, it was like a, it was a dick move, but at the same time it was like, I just, it was what you needed. I was, it's where I was. And, right, and right. I, I kind of regretted treating him. I didn't treat him poorly, but I was like, I don't want to be in a band with him because he smokes. I know he's like super rad, but Bill started playing guitar uh, and singing and he was yelling and I was like, Bill, you need to sing. Yeah. And so our first show was on my birthday okay. and I played drums. Jesse played bass. Bill played guitar. Uh Trevor, my friend Trevor Hill, who played in Tamerlane, and I think he played in Aftermath and Trainwreck. He played in like every band. Sure, he played guitar, and then Bill played guitar and sang. And I remember it it was the funnest show because it was just like a mosh band. (laughs) Sure, sure. So we did that for a while, and then when I moved to Redlands, they broke up for a season, and then they reformed as the more popular kind of version. Like they kind of they got a bit bigger. Right. um, In the early two like two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five series, and they. The, it was Clint played drums and Bill played and Trevor played and I think, I think there's some couple other, other, other people but they put sure. out a full length right. and went on tour and did a bunch of stuff and they actually got voted in Salt Lake one of the one of the best bands in Salt Lake City which was okay. really cool yeah. so I got to help be a part of that but really my friend Adam and I booked shows and there was a bunch of drama. Because a dude that was a promoter there had ratted on a couple of friends of mine, and they ended up spending some time in jail. Okay, and so we started a production company called Burn the Rat, and that was like our deal. So we booked shows for a while. Right, and right. Like, that was my that was my favorite time because I played in the band, but really we kind of helped it limp through a season where there was the same 40 kids at every show. Right. 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 No one was coming to show. <clears throat> right. Kids. There wasn't new blood that was coming in. Right. No. And it was like, it just wasn't happening. Sure. So we just kept going and right. we were like the 50 straight edge kids that actually care. <laughs> like yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was like the lame, it was just lame to some, but I thought it was just amazing. It was like right. so much fun to be a part of it. That's- so that was, so that was chairman. Then when I moved to California, Eric Gregson, who had become a friend, yep. um, um, a couple years before, uh, he was like, come out and be in a band with me and like, let's do a band. And so we started. A oh, so
1: he extended the invitation to you to come to California and then yeah. that's why you I came. I wanted to come
3: to Redlands because I'd come out for, I was supposed to live out here. Okay. Know, like I moved out the day after I graduated high school. Okay. I moved to Redlands. Okay.
0: Baseball fans, Bet MGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for Bet BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
2: What if AI could help your business deliver mission critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X, and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com/consulting. IBM. Let's create.
4: And I
1: drove because you, you were and you were living with your mom the entire time for a majority of the time. No, I know no. you were. Splitting. I
3: left. I left my junior year in high school. Okay, and moved in with my girlfriend and graduated high school oh, on okay. And at least you, you graduated high school. Uh, I mean you that, know, that
1: that there's uh,
3: <laughs> I graduated early. It was good. I did my thing. I'm not stupid. I just was a dummy. So
1: yeah,
3: I should have just stayed home. But so I met Eric through the scene, and then um, he just was like, "I feel like you're supposed to come out with me." So. I basically moved out to Redlands with him. Okay. The day after I got I graduated high school. Got it. With a and then ended up in this insane affair with this dude's wife. Okay. Out here in California. Out here in okay. California and she was from Salt Lake. Okay. And so I went back to Salt Lake with her. All uh-huh. my stuff was in Redlands. Went back to Salt Lake.
1: Okay. And then with the intention that you were going to be with her? Like she was gonna hurt or you were I just don't there was the, know. the only I intention the no idea. Right. The only I intention know. was that I, I want to like, be Oh my right.
3: god, what am I doing?
1: Sure. Oh my God, what am I
3: doing? And then the dude died.
4: Oh, wow. Her
3: partner died. And so that spun her out Uh hard. And in his suicide letter, he asked me to stick around and take care of her.
1: Oh my God.
3: So that was kind of like the journey of like, we have to keep this relationship secret. We're the worst human beings on the planet. Sure. So that was like the real like...
1: The sobering moment.
3: That this insane thing where everything shifted for me. A week out of high school, I'm this dude that I feel like I've killed this guy. Right. And he doesn't even know. Right. And I've got all these secrets and like all this stuff starts imploding on me. So we, we lived together for a while and then I just remember that we, we ended up staying together. Yeah. We ended up moving out to California. Okay. And then what ended up happening was like we got married, me and that girl sure. got married, and then just we were just broken, you know? So I don't, I don't, I get it. I'm grateful. Right. I'm totally right. grateful. But she ended up falling in love with one of my friends out here. Okay. So she ended up like cheating on me. <laughs> With him,
1: when your and relationship I, and, was started, and I was like
3: yeah. we had our, we had like our little girl, like we had like this stuff, and I remember that was when I really like that was when everything kind of came apart, and I remember that's when I really felt like I like this God thing happened. Of course, so it, it was this weird journey where I was supposed to. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Anyway, so There's this Carmen song. No, from, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you, when you, I moved out here, I was doing band with Eric, and in sure. the midst of it, all this stuff started happening. So he wanted me to be in a band with him and his brother. It was mm-hmm. me. I was going to play drums. He was going to do guitar and sing or something. And his brother Ryan was going to play guitar. Okay. Well, then there's all these young kids from Redlands. And Eric being Eric was like, let's get everyone together and be in a band. So we started this band called Death Star. And there's four singers. And it's like, "Ah!" And I started singing because I just wanted to sing. And I never sang. So I was like, yeah, let's sing. So I started (laughs) singing. I'm loud. I'm enthusiastic. I can do this. Yeah, let's do this. We start start Death Star. And I just got to be one of the vocalists. And so... Then that band ended up launching with more favor than any other project Eric had ever done. Oh, for sure. Because we did like this whole thing of like releasing really the demo and all this pomp and like hype totally. and no one had even heard the band. No. We not showed at all. up and all these kids just went bananas and we were right. like it worked! Like, right, 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 But that night, I played with my band. I opened for Death Star in a band called Man vs. Grizzly. Okay. And I played drums in Man vs. Grizzly and okay. the singer was the dude that was my friend that was sleeping with my wife. <laughs> and so it was the worst night of my life. Because I'm like say. watching my wife watch my dude. Right. And be gra- glad to be there for him and I'm like, I and I love the band. It was almost like every time I die or like, Okay, kind of punk, almost like sure. Green Day. So I really felt like at that point we could have been on like TRL. Sure, sure. it was like yeah, hardcore rock and roll. Right, it right, was right. so good. I had so much fun playing it, and it sure. was total like punk rock. Like we'd smash stuff. I mean, you know, I was just like, <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, 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 but I was like miserable. Sure. and then we play our first show. It was Donnie Brooks' first show too. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it was like the show, the showcase. And I remember just thinking. It's the worst night of my entire life. Like, I hate it. And, the, and Death Star blew up. And that, that was like the biggest thing we'd ever been a part of. So Eric's other band that I was supposed to be a part of right. never took off. Because, because Death, they had to Star focus up up Death Star up. And so we – anyway, so then all this stuff falls apart in my personal life. And I've got this little girl and I – and we go through this thing. I end up getting really kind of lit in my – in a faith journey. And I'm like, yeah. whoa. And so I want to take good care of my daughter. I really want my wife to pick me again. Right. So I like – waited for her okay and i because I, i'd been that dude sure sure so i went to him and was like dude i know what you're going through right
4: please don't
3: like right. please don't sure and he
1: just couldn't hear me wow they were just they were just in love that's a, like that you had the courage to go up to the because per- i mean that's because
3: when i went through it dog like, yeah, yeah, cause yeah this i'm reading the bible it's like do treat treat other people like you wish you'd could have been treated of course. when i went through that betrayal i almost got stabbed at a movie theater because people thought i did what i did okay so all these dudes that were friends with him showed up and they were like hey man yeah. and i'm like Oh, and I lied my way out of it. Well, you don't want to get stabbed, like, right? A ton of them, and they're bad people. Right? Like they're the bad people. They're older than me. Yeah. Tattoos. And I'm like, oh god! I have yeah. like a can of mace and my knuckles in my front hood pocket. And I'm like, oh! I walk up and they're like, get your hands out of your pocket. And I'm like, yes sir. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so bum. So like oh, oh god, right. they're gonna kill me. Oh, right, 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 right. And my hand, I'm like shaking. It was the first time. I just terror. Just of course. So afraid. So and they're like, I know you're gonna talk about it. Like whatever. So I'm like. Yeah. Days later, my girl, she finds out about. It. She's like, "Why do not you tell me?" I'm like, "I'm not a fucking rat, dude. I'm right. not gonna say a thing." <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I yeah. was like, I almost got like killed for it, and right. I deserved it. I right. was caught. Sure. Like, so exposed. Like, right. Just so. Oh, it was like the worst thing. So when that happens with my dude, I'm like, I will not do that to him because all it does is put terror on you. You can't even change. No, no, no. And so I'm like, well, if you're supposed to love your enemy. You're supposed to treat people with love. Yeah. I got to love them. That's what I got to do to sure. see if this is even real. Right. So I start doing that and mm-hmm. all my Christian friends are like, I don't know what you're doing. Right. How are you doing this? And I remembered that there was a reality that set in of like, if God is love.
0: Yeah. This oh, needs to pour This right, is right. what it
3: is. And so I, dude, I tried so hard to be like his friend. I tried to stay and wait. I wanted to be awesome. So she picked me because like, I yeah. thought I was awesome. Right. And right. sucked. Right right don't pick him pick right. up I, yeah we and like we already have this thing together this thing. it's so easy the minute you go i'm in i'll be like it is forgiven. Yeah, it's forgiven everything's yeah, good we're home didn't happen waiting right. for like 11 months
1: just yeah you Living put on your
3: couch like moving on people staying in my back room right of my own house while it's just yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Trying just trying to, trying to be to there for thing. my kid right. trying to be there for my ex like wanting to be there so that was kind of that journey of in the midst of that Death Star happened, and then we went to Hellfest in 2004. Yep. And on the way home, it was such a disaster for my ex. It just wasn't going to work. That on the way home, I was like, I can't be a part of I it. I got to move on. Yeah. I got to just be a dad and I'll hang out. Right. And so I got he let me be on a ton of projects because we're we're dear friends. And so if they need an extra recording, like they did that recording aftermath. Every record they did, I helped on because. Right. I was available. I just couldn't be in a band. Right. So I kind of like let go of that. And uh-huh. I started this Bible study that turned into a church in Redlands sure. called Tiffany And then we started doing shows there. And it just became this. It built
1: yeah. from there. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So I was doing that and being a dad. And that's where I was. And Death Star was kind of going through their own thing. and right, like doing right, their right. stuff, And then uh, my friend Corey and my other friend Travis hit me up and were like, hey, we want to start a band uh-huh. and we'd like you to sing. And I was like, well, I, I'm only going to talk about Jesus. That's all I really care about. And they're like, that's fine. So they started this band, right. and, and that was the beginning of Sleeping Giant. Sleeping and Giant, we just sure. played at Tiffany all the time and practiced there because that's where we had the spot. Right,
1: right. The the interesting thing that I one of my favorite stories that's ever been shared to me, especially in regards to Christian music in general. Yeah. One of my friends he uh, he worked at Tooth and Nail for years and years and years. Yeah. Did like aR for him. And this is this is like maybe this is like when MXPX was at its height. So. You have people who are, I mean, you know, they're appealing obviously to a much, you know, a secular market as well. But so they would get like handwritten letters to the label saying MXPX, you know, Mike Herrera, like spit on stage. That wasn't a Christian thing to do. Not a Christian thing to do. And like the, just the, the, the concept of like what, what, what Christian music is and what, like it is such an impenetrable task to be like. If you advertise yourself as a Christian band and, like, are doing that, it is so hard to get people to pay attention to it in the outside world. Just be like, oh, I can't get past that that That, that banner. Thing. Yeah.
5: That's real.
1: And even people, like, obviously in the flip side, I always remember, like, I, I remember taking play to a show with that, uh, God, was it bo- was It was a Born Blind? They were from San Diego. I think they're, whatever. Christian Hardcore Band. And I remember playing a show with them at Chain and having kids come up to me because I was, like, to sell them merch and be like, so are you? Are you guys saved? Or are you, and I was. I, that was. I was like, "What? Well, like, saved. You, yeah, what are you? Yeah, talking about it." Just. It, I was like, "That's a prerequisite for you to like." Like, um, did you like us? Like, did you like us playing? Like, anyone will like it if you were saved, right? And it was such a, I mean, and the like when you started sleeping, giant. Did you have all those things in okay. your head?
3: This is where I was
1: at. Yeah. I got saved.
3: Right, I got like saved. I really feel like I was in like a burning car.
1: Right, right, right. And I
3: got like rescued. I was. Sure. It was bad. Right. I was. Oh, it sucked.
1: Well, everything you described, I, I don't think people would disagree with that. No, man,
3: that's the part. It's like I, there's a song, like an old song that the King David wrote, and he's like, I was in a pit, and you. Down me, sure. I really felt like that. Right. So I get like saved. Right. I'm grateful. I'm like, God is real. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. I'm so in, whatever right. you want. And I show up to the hardcore scene, and all these kids <laughs> are not talking about their faith. They're just Christians in a band, and it was the weakest crap I've <laughs> ever seen. And I was like, I cannot believe this dude, if he saved your life like he saved mine, and you're uh-huh. not talking about him. Then screw you. Put that mic down and get out of here. Because I needed help, not that. Yeah. Like, and I told all my friends in Redlands, I was like, "Straight Edge isn't going to save me. Veganism isn't going to save me. My life is falling apart. I need God." Right. And they were like, "Okay." And I was like, "Will you come over to my house and like let's just have a Bible study in my living room and uh, I'm like let's just get together?" Because we weren't really going to church anywhere. Sure. And I was like the newbie, but I'm like, "I we need it. We need. Yeah. God. I need community. We right, need right. God bad." And so we had a swear counter. I would like I was so unrefined that they would like count how many times I would say a swear word and like Joshie Hyland is I think it was like 27 was like the record. It was just like bad. But but we but we were in, so then we started this band eventually, and I'm like, I'm gonna be about it. Because it's been a long time since someone just stood on stage and was like, I am about this. Right. And and I remember that it was like the minute we started talking for real, yeah, it was on. And I remember that it 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 marked a shift for a season where it was like the days of like cowering behind your instruments and like if anything would be and, like walking off <laughs> right. that was done. That, right. It was like Mm-mm, that's yeah. not real. Like don't say that. Like right. don't do that because that's it's. I felt I felt so charged that like yeah, you. I'm going to be about it. You I'm wanted to be make a, a definitive Christian state. band. We are a Christian band, and if our behavior is so horrible and our love for people is so messed up that you don't like Jesus, like that's going to be on us. But like we're not going to hide. In the music, I right? Could, we couldn't do it because when I, I really watched people as a non believer at Showcase, I remember watching NIV and and uh Throwdown and Wrench, and um, God, there was another one, and I remember sitting back and watching all these Christian kids, yeah. And I remember literally not being a Christian kid and just being like, These dudes are such punks. <laughs> yeah. I like didn't believe it, I right. didn't believe them. I believed NIV, like, I believed in Jason, I believed in Kyle, I believed yeah. in JD, like. I believed in Corey. I, I knew them. And I was like, I know they're real. Like, I knew it. Right. But all these other kids, I was just like, you guys are punks. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you would not last a second. Like, get out of here. So then I get saved and I realize, these are my people. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> no, I can't. Like, I'm in. You guys are my fan. But, like, you got to pull it together because this whole thing of hiding is not going to happen. Like, it <laughs> isn't going to happen if I'm in the room. Right. We need to talk about what's real. And what's real is you got saved. And you better tell people because there's people that are hiding and they're afraid and they need help and they don't need you to front. Like you better be about it. And so it was different. And I know it gave permission for people to act stupid and some people to not be sincere and they Mm. use it as a shtick and it becomes like the thing. It's a selling point. And that's the part where it's like, it's not a selling point for me. And it wasn't at the beginning and it won't be, even when it's unpopular, even when it starts, the wave starts crashing and then people start getting pissed at God again and it becomes this big deal. I'll still be there being like, I love Jesus and I don't care if you have a problem with it because I didn't have a problem. I don't care. Like right. so that's how I felt for the whole time. So I, I knew that there was all that stigma. Yeah. I felt like I was supposed to actually minister more to the scene in Southern California because I felt like that was what called me out. Eric was a Christian kid that was like, come man, but they sure. listen to One Life Crew and like right. Marauder and they listened to all the East Coast bands when everyone else was like into other stuff. Right, right. And I right. remember thinking, Oh, you guys are like real hardcore kids, but you love Jesus. All right, I could I could deal with that. yeah. we'll like, yeah, just yeah. hang out.
1: Well, because, and you, you always feel too, like the, there was uh there's definitive lines that are drawn with like what you obviously can and can't do from that perspective. Yeah. And so then there's, there's that when you're caught off guard from a person who's just like, oh, like you can't, you can't do those things because you are this. And then like when you subvert that and people are sub- like, wait a minute, like you're, you're allowed to do that. It's like. <laughs> Well, yeah, (laughs) that's what we
3: do. I think that's what the one of my favorite bands is the Chariot, and that's what I think I love the most about them is people talk like I talk. They just do it. They just model freedom, right? And it just infuriates some people, and it's awesome. And like you guys, you guys just show people what what freedom is. Right, love it. That's what they go for. You know, sure, sure. So and it's so spontaneous because even. Like, Wolf, like, he never danced like that until he was in that band. He never played the bass like that. But when it just started happening for him, and that's what was authentic for him. Right. And, like, it wasn't a stick. And if they got another bass player before they were done, you know, and he did all the same stuff, that would be cheesy. (laughs) Right. But, like, that was real. Yeah. so I just, I love that, where it's like, that's authentic. And so what's authentic for me is sharing a message, because I think I'm a preacher. That's, like, what I am. Right, right. So I'm like, okay
1: and so the obviously like you were mentioning before the you know the the fact that you do you know missionary work and ministry and all that sort of stuff um you know do you feel like do you feel because there 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 also is that you know within the christianity faith in general like the You know, you being in a band and like being, you know, a loud screamer and like all like all those connotations that people don't necessarily equate to the Christian faith. Like, have you had to battle those notions with people being like, oh, that's you're you're weird. What do you got those tattoos for? I think
3: I think people here's what I think. I think other people had that. I think the generation before us had that. Sure. I think because we're so outspoken Mm -hmm. because we actually do ministry. And because we've shown up to Christian festivals mm-hmm. and done what we were supposed to do in the face of all this performance garbage, really? people are like, <sighs> right? <laughs> and so we don't get that. People are like, "What do you think about blah blah?" We're just like, yeah, don't even bring that here. Like, right. and I was talking to Eric about it. I was, my friend John is, this, is a teacher he runs a bible school and stuff and uh-huh. he was talking about different faces of culture and he said there's high culture and pop culture and then folk culture okay and he said high culture is like that academic royalty sure. thing we just have resources they eat whatever their chef brings them okay, pop for- culture is like mcdonald's sure. in our case it would be like chipotle sure. right, right and then folk culture is like we eat a lot of hummus and we do home birth and like whatever and i realized okay. that the hardcore scene is like a folk culture uh-huh. except we're getting bastardize into pop culture uh-huh. really fast. Sure. So I think there's pop culture Christianity okay, and they're drawing a lot because they see the sincerity of even Christian hardcore. Mm-hmm. And so we don't get fronted on by dumb people because they're like, what are you doing? It's like, what are you doing? You could, you could turn it's the happening. mirror you on them. They just don't bring it to us. They might bring it to other little
1: 15 year old kids that look
3: afraid but i'm not right right it's like we're not stupid sure been in this swing for a while so like
1: yeah you can you can look at our body of work and see that
3: we've been that's that's the part that's what eric always says like good a good tree doesn't make bad fruit you know and he's like even in christian culture if people are are hearing the message of jesus and they're responding if if sick people are being prayed for and ministered to if if hurting people are being being touched and and they're being comforted is that good fruit or bad fruit? Because that's what we look at. Right. A good tree doesn't make bad fruit and a bad fruit bad tree doesn't make good fruit. Yeah. So just look at our fruit.
1: Right. <laughs> look <laughs> at our fruit. So that's what we're, that's that's what we're done. about. Uh, the last thing I want to hit on was the um you know, once you once sleeping giant obviously started to make a definitive move towards, you know, playing like you were joking about earlier, you know, playing with, you know, satanic metal bands mm-hmm. or whatever. Like playing to people who clearly were going to be very adverse oh, to yeah, what you would I hate it. Right. And yes. so like, do you, I mean, when you guys first started doing that, I'm sure it was like a level of like, oh, we got it. Like the water has to find its own level. Like, what am I comfortable with? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talk to me, talk to me about that experience of just like pushing yourselves out there to being like, we're not going to be that band that's just going to tour churches like, you know, seven no, months out of the year.
3: We're just hardcore kids, man. You don't do that. Like in our culture, right? Like right. everybody plays with everybody. Right, right, right. Like, no, that's yeah. the, the, the dumbest thing. Now that's like marketing. Yeah. That's stupid. That's right. not the hardcore scene right. at all. And right. so we were informed by the hardcore scene. We've been a part of the hardcore scene for a long time. So right, I'm like right. we play shows. Right. Period. <laughs> we don't. We That's don't. It.
1: Right. Like, we don't play we, a qu- yeah. We don't play into adjective it's, here. Shows, we get it. Right.
3: I'm grateful that we got to be on like the initial year of Scream the Prayer. We got to help like kind of formulate this tour. We've been a part of that. That's cool. But then we tour with other people. Like because right. we're a hardcore band. I mean that in in terms of like our ethic and even playing shows in Southern California. I just remember that they. Corey and T and Jr and Jeff, they were just like, go. So we yeah. showed up and I'm like, hey, this song's about this and that's what this is about. And here we go. And it was like, no question. I'm really? going to do what I would do anyway. Yeah, From the yeah, very yeah. beginning, it was like, I'm going to tell you about my life. I'm going to share this song. This song's about my life. My faith is about my life. This song's about my faith. You need to know. <laughs> yeah, Here's yeah, my faith. Right. You should respond. I promise it's real. Come on, come on. And then kids started like, oh, crap, this is real. Like right. I'm like, yeah. So it was there was no like... What I told them was, I'm going to tell people about Jesus. And they were like, good. Okay. And that was it. So I just kept doing what I was doing
1: right. each week as like a pastor, but I was just doing it on stage. Sure, sure. What, what, was, it, what was the the funniest interaction you had from just like, a, like an audience, like not, just not on board with anything, like whether it was a specific tour, not so much from like a band perspective where it's like, oh, we toured with this band and they sucked because their audience was no, terrible. No, no. I um, just remember... Um, like the roughest reactions that you had where it was like, wow, this is Can I
3: share, I'm going to share this one. Okay. I was at a Christian festival. Okay. And I got a bottle of piss thrown on me. That's so, pretty That <laughs> was awesome. We started, it was like the first song we started with. Sure. And I remember like kneeling down and I was like, I remember we started playing this song and I just remember seeing this kid walk up. I don't really talk about it very much, but he right. had like a bottle like this and I remember watching him like grab it and he just went like oh, like all over me and then threw the bottle at me. And I remember it hit me in the face and I remember thinking, that's,
1: yeah, piss. that's piss.
3: And I closed, I like had my eyes closed and I remember I started kind of crying and I remember the Lord going like in my heart, almost like, just keep going. It's going to be okay. And yeah. I like kept going and it was this insane show, like right. insane show. I mean, sure. just incredible. And there was like thousands of kids there and it was like tons of crazy stuff popped off and it was right. awesome and no one knew. It was just like this single this thing that happened, and I remember just thinking, "I can't believe." So he played the next day with Four Today. Okay, like Four Today okay. played the next night, and I remember thinking, "I'm gonna wait and see if Maddie gets pissed on him <laughs> because everyone says we're like the same." Like, right, and it didn't happen, and I remember watching him and just going like. Maybe that just happened because I'm a dick. <laughs> I, was, I was like, God, I don't want to pretend to be like I was persecuted. Maybe that guy just thought I was an a hole and like didn't <laughs> yeah, like me. Did not like. me. I don't me. want to read into it. So that, anyways, the next day before that show, I spent like an hour and a half in like this porta potty at this festival, sitting there like crying. Like, God, sure. did I mess up? If yeah. I messed up, I on... is it bad or was that good? Like, right. I don't mind. I'll be slammed for you all the time. I don't care. They can right. beat me up. Like, we've played shows in places and people like. Shut the fuck up! Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. no! I have the mic! <laughs> I didn't come all the way from my hot wife and kids to get here and act like a coward. Right. I'm gonna tell you what I think. Right, right? You got a problem with it? I'll be over there! And right. like, I run off the stage waiting for someone to run up on me and be like, no, no, no! I'll be like, please hit me because I'm a Christian. Right. Just hit me. Just, just please do not stand started. right here. Just yeah. go ahead, just watch. Right. And like, it's, it's never happened, but that was the most, that was the weirdest one. So then I went back to the merch tent. And and I was I walk up and I'd really forgiven the kid in right. my heart I was like I release that kid yeah, yeah. there's nothing he could say to make it better uh-huh. obviously that was like his deal and it's cool like I I just I, please bless that kid like oh walk into merch <laughs> and this girl's like I know who threw piss all over you <laughs> <time." laughs> I'm like. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And I walked away. I just was like, I don't even want to know because I don't want to bring it up. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. We've already moved. Uh, I've been through this for an hour. I'm over it. Like, yes, he threw piss all over my Gorilla Biscuit shirt. God, why did you do that? Like, yeah. oh. and so then I leave and I come back and I'm like looking at Eric and I'm like, should I have asked who that was? And sure. he's like, I did. I got it. No worries. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I would be a horrible friend if I let that happen and didn't do something. And right. I'm like, no, dude, don't even worry. Yeah, don't, like, yeah. don't. Please, just don't. Like, yeah. let's just not. Right. So, I'm at the, that night, I'm watching <coughs> for today's set. It, it doesn't happen, and right. I'm like,
5: oh Aww. man.
3: <laughs> and then I look right, and and Eric and like a bunch of our friends are walking with this kid towards me, oh, and I'm okay. like in this conversation. I look right, and it's just like this little like skinhead kid, and I'm like,
4: oh, oh that's
3: him. No, <laughs> and he walks out to me, and I'm like, hey, man. He's like. <laughs> Hey dude, I just wanted to say I'm sorry for throwing piss on you, man. Like, and I'm like, dude, no, d- don't even worry about it. Like, thank you for apologizing. Like, yeah. you're so good. Don't even worry. And he's like, don't, dude. Like, and then he goes to start saying, you know, because me and my friends just talk crap on you all the time. And I'm like, I don't want to hear yeah. it. I'm good. I'm I don't good. need a backstory. I don't know any a backstory. Like, it's cool, dude. Like, I thank you for apologizing. Like. It, don't worry. Right. Please don't worry about it. Right. And so he walked away. Anyways, and then all these dudes are talking to him and, you know, whatever. And I'm just like,
4: yeah, done I've, we've so done my
3: part. Yeah. In terms of like hostile crowds, there's the dude that has literally been screaming like, oh, fuck you up and done. I'm like, I will be right over there. And I literally yeah. like, there's been a couple sets where I'm like, stop. Hey, what's up? Sleeping giant. Thanks so much. Throwing the mic down, run over and just waited for him. Like, come on. <laughs> Because if you're going to beat me up from my faith, I'm not fighting back. Like, right. I just don't even need to. It's going to be awesome. And you're going to, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you might actually meet Jesus right. if that happens. Because right. you'll be blown away that you're slugging a dude that's like, not going to fight i <laughs> not, not doing not anything. Back. I just don't have any, I don't, Right. not my deal. So it's never happened. Like, whenever it's gone there, it's been like weird. People are like, I shared a song about my daughter from the first record, and some dude was like, shut the fuck up. And I was like, don't you ever say that to me when I'm talking about my kid ever again. And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> and so at the end of the night yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him and I walked up on him and I was like we were in Northern California I just walked up on him and I'm like tell me to shut fuck up right now right tell me now And yeah. I'm just staying no on one
1: would ever do that
4: and he was yeah.
3: like no dude it's like this is like a metal show and I'm like I'm not a metal kid man like I was so pissed like that's a song about my little girl man like where's right. what are you talking where's about your and he was like no dude I just you know and yeah. so that's like I just and I kind of felt like even when I even went away feeling like I blew that because I challenged him. But it was just that thing of like people need to understand like this is real stuff. So right. if we're gonna do it, that's fine. Like if people are gonna do that, then it either says in respect, then you respect that space, or if you're gonna challenge it in respect, it's like back it up because. Right if it's if it's about faith you win you can you can you can stab me to death right if, if it's about you you being a dick to someone else right then i need to challenge you because that's not love and i wouldn't treat you like that of course you know? right so you can be on stage being like god's a fucking liar and you know i mean yeah, yeah, we, we yeah. played these fests and you be was ripping up a bible and throwing it on stage i'm like okay here we are <laughs> this is good so it's like I get it, but that's it's, the the strongest one, the weirdest one. I don't normally share that story, but yeah,
1: yeah, no, well, that was
3: that was the most intriguing. Where I was like, wow, it happened in a Christian fest,
1: right? Yeah, you're like that. This is this is uh, ironic, as they would say. <laughs> <It's>
4: interesting. <laughs> wow.
1: Well, I, I we can't top a piss story, so I, I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> I'm going to end that right here. But thank you very much for hanging out, and I oh, appreciate, appreciate I really you. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks of course. For, thanks for listening. All right, so there was Tommy, and yeah. Like I said, regardless of what your, your personal stance is on religion and afterlife and all that stuff, a great conversation, right? Good dude. Good head and his shoulders. Doing the thing. Doing what he believes in. And that's awesome. That's all you can really ask for in your own personal life. Just find something, hold on to it, and keep getting better at it. So, propertyofzack.com, the editor for this episode, Tom Richfield, killing it as always. And uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, 100 Words podcast at gmail.com. It's episode 100 next week. We'll tease Jordan, the vocalist of Lotus Feet. He will be on. He is our 100th episode guest and some crazy announcements are going to happen that day. So, boom. I'll talk to you then. Death.
2: High Five Casino!